This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Let's Talk Arsenal show. Joining you still the day after uh, Arsenal's dramatic victory away at Villa Park. I just felt like I couldn't do just the one show this weekend talking about what was a fantastic day yesterday. And I thought I'd share that joy uh, with some brilliant guests as well this evening, which I'll introduce to you shortly. Uh, But good afternoon, good morning, good evening, where you happen to be joining us from in the world of supporting Arsenal. Thank you so much for doing so do drop a like on the video of course and subscribe to the channel if you are indeed new let's introduce you to my guest first of all joining us from uh my fellow colleague over at the arsenal way it's umar how are you doing umar you good you well yeah i'm good cc pleasure to be on um but yeah i'm good i know you're going to be buzzing as well uh, after yesterday so it'll be interesting to talk about that but i'm good thank you indeed yeah, I was. I watched. Um, I watched your show with Alfie on the way home. Um, it's just the energy was there. Like it's just, it felt so good, didn't it? After yesterday's game, to talk about it, unreal, unreal, absolutely unreal. Um, and that's that's what the title race is going to bring us a special moment. So hopefully, many more to come. Absolutely. Um, also joins. It's, it's not Paul side. It's kind of in Paul. Uh, <laughs> joining us as well from Florida is Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing lovely. How could you not be? Look at the look at the sky. Is my internet gone? I... Happy with everything except for my internet connection. Sorry about that. No, I think it was me. I think it was, was it was it me? Umar, did you hear all of what he said? No, I didn't. I did. Yeah. Oh, I did. Okay. <laughs> We were waiting there, like what? <laughs> and then Umar's got a thing where he sits so still. Yes. You just think he's also frozen. I'm like, have I have I lost mine? <laughs> no, it was just me. No, you're, you're still here. Mine oh, just lost that. it. You're yeah, back no. and fine though. You're fine it's, now. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful weekend though. And what better way to cap it off than by talking to you, Tom? <laughs> I appreciate that, mate. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, how how else? 
better to spend your Sunday, well, I was going to say evening, but of course afternoon, wherever you happen to be. Um, but yes, yeah, a brilliant, Steph brilliant doesn't, background. Steph doesn't necessarily agree, but 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 it's it's not about her right now. It's about you. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Always, always. Uh, and finally, making up our group of four this evening, it's Pablo. How are you doing, Pablo? Yeah, not too bad, guys. Sorry to break up the bromance that was going on over there, but <laughs> I thought I'd just jump in and say hi. <laughs> oh, we appreciate it. Uh, pa- Pablo coming to us from the opposite of a pool, <laughs> whatever. <Yeah. laughs> the darkest room on earth. He's in, he's, in a, he's in a loop. I mean, whatever the whatever the opposite of pool is, is where, is where Pablo is right now. Just, yeah, just come and follow me. That's exactly where I am. <laughs> So he's dry, Mike. The driest place he could be in the world. You don't want to see how wrinkled Mike's bottom half is. He doesn't mean right now. He means the last time we hung out. For those listening on the on audio platforms, I do encourage you to jump over to the YouTube video just so you could see where Mike is currently podcasting from. It's certainly worth your time. Um, Anyway, uh, I was trying to think of a cheeky pun, but all of them were way too rude for monetization to come up with. So I'm not going to be able to use any of them. Um, Umar, yesterday's win uh, against uh, Aston Villa, of course. It didn't start off in the best of ways, but by the end of the game, no one really cared um, because the way in which we responded. Is it just about getting the win was the most important thing? Though it didn't matter beyond how we played, what happened, how it ended. Just It didn't matter if we won 1-0, 2-1, 3-0, 10-0, whatever. The, the, the kind of the feeling of getting that win back would, was just so important for us. 100%. Um, the response was key, especially after Wednesday night. Um, the mood was all doom and gloom, a lot of disappointment in the Arsenal fan base, at times a bit of overreaction, um, but these things can happen. So for, for Arsenal, it was just about responding. It was always going to be a tough test going away to Villa Park, um, 12.30 kickoff. Um, what, 48 hours um, before we played against Manchester City. So the fact that you've lost, you're going to be tired, fatigued, lethargic. So for me, it didn't matter how we won as long as we did win. But the way we won it, I think psychologically, the boost that it's going to give us for the forthcoming matches, uh, Leicester City next Saturday, and then moving on to that double uh, game week, we have Everton and Bournemouth at home. The boost it's going to give us is going to be massive because... Now the fan base is pumped. Obviously, the fact that Manchester City dropped points was was a bigger bonus. Um, the fact that we're back on top. So, so much emotion uh, after yesterday. But that's the thing. For me, as, as Arsenal fans, we have to enjoy the ride. Um, I know there's a lot of nervousness creeping in the fan base because we haven't been in the title race for so many years. But for me, we have to enjoy uh, the here and now. We have to enjoy the ride. Moments like these don't come around too often. Like 90-minute goals to win three points when you're going for the title with a team like Manchester City, they don't come around too often. Whatever happens in May will happen. If we win the Premier League title, we're going to be buzzing. We're going to be over the moon. On the flip side, if we don't win it and Manchester City say win it, fair enough. They would have deserved to uh, win the title, but... We we have to just enjoy these moments because we've beaten so many big teams at home this season. We've gone away to Tottenham, beaten Tottenham. That game against uh, Villa yesterday was fantastic, um, breathtaking. So I know we want to win this Premier League title, but right now we have to just enjoy these moments, enjoy these matches because it's special. It's a special, special, special feeling. So um, after yesterday, yeah, I was buzzing. Um, and to be fair, I'm probably going to be buzzy, buzzing all week. 
But that, that's that's how it is as an Arsenal fan right now. Yeah, I think with you know after the City game it was a case of I couldn't wait for the next game just so I could kind of forget about City. And then you have the complete opposite in the sense of you want to wait, you want to get the next game as soon as possible because you want to continue that momentum. If anything, probably a week's rest is, is going to be more beneficial, you know, if we played a game in midweek and Arteta was complaining about the schedule and things like that. And now we've got Europa League coming very soon as well. So I think the week's going to be beneficial uh, for us, that's for sure. Pablo, give us your thoughts on, on yesterday's win, uh, the manner of it and the importance as well. Well, obviously, like you guys, after the City game, um, yeah, I was a little bit down. Um, kind of expected us to sort of not win against City. I know it sounds really silly, but I don't think that winning against City would kind of determine whether we're going to win the league or not. Um, I know, like, hear me out on this one. <laughs> but basically, um, like, if I, I think what it is, is a little bit like when we watched the Amazon documentary and you saw how Arteta prepared for the Liverpool game because it's an experience that he had where he really struggled out on the pitch. He kind of overhyped it and overdone everything. And I think leading up to the Manchester City game, you can see the two previous games before that, our players just wasn't connecting like we have done throughout the season. Um, and I reckon the reason for that bit is, is that obviously he knows the importance of the City game and also being his old club, knowing Pep, knowing probably he's probably too close to the case, if that makes sense. Um and I think he kind of got overhyped that game. So in my thought process, even leading up to the city game was don't worry about the city game, worry about the games around it. So had we worried about Everton and so on and Brentford, whatever it was, um and had we won them games and still lost the city, you look at the league table now where we would have been. Yeah. Um, so in a way, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise, getting the city game out of the way, getting that L, taking the L, hope like obviously took the L from them, but then moving on. And the first five minutes of that of that Villa game, I was thinking, oh no, we're going to go back to basically last season when we practically had a Champions League place in our hands, and we kind of threw it away. And that element of doubt sort of starts creeping in, but the way we reacted and the spirit of this team is something to be so proud of. I'm literally so proud of this team. Whether we win the league, don't win the league, whatever happens, yeah, no this change from the season. Oh, let's just get into the Champions League. I now think he's gone above that over a, over a, achieved what our targets was. So now it's like fighting for the title. We're in the title. Just just we'll losing change, your yeah. connection a bit there, Pablo. Um, it's going a bit like a Dalek. We did. We heard yeah, most we, of what you, I'd say ninety nine percent of what you said. We heard. Um, you might want to reset the room. It's amazing that I get four guests on and we have fifty percent are having internet problems. Just the way things go. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe reset it and join us again, Pablo. Uh, while while Pablo's sorting that out, <laughs> I'll, have have a, I'll have a chat with my good pal Umar for a little bit. Just us two. This is nice. Uh, I don't know if Mike just dropped his laptop in the, in the pool. This it, it might genuinely that's potentially what's happened. Um, but we'll get both of them back shortly. I'm sure. I, I picking up on what um, Pablo said there, kind of about the um, like, the idea of not winning the title has obviously become such a a fearful factor for us. Like we never thought we'd be here. And yet when, whenever we get into a position where we're like, um, you know, the title might slip away or a man city side might be the team that beats us after city, it went into meltdown. 
Yeah. And after we went 1-0 down, it went into meltdown. And at halftime, when it was at 2-1, it was meltdown. What do you make of kind of the dynamic of the social side of, of what this title race is kind of doing to us as a fan base? Because it is having a strain on us, even more so maybe than the Champions League chaos of last season. It is. It is. Um, it's understandable. Don't get me wrong. Um, even for myself, um, I get stressed. Um, I, I get frustrated. I get nervous when watching Arsenal these days. But I want this. I'd rather be in this position, if that makes sense. I don't want to be fighting for the Champions League year on year. I want to be competing for the biggest uh, trophies that um, we're competing in, whether it's the Champions League, whether it's the Premier League. And with going for a Premier League title, I've said it before, it don't happen often. So we have to take this moment, we have to grasp it, but we have to enjoy it as well. Um and I think we are, to be fair. Um, I know there's going to be nervousness creeping. I've, I know there was a lot of hysteria on social media, especially when Aston Villa scored the second goal um, yesterday when Coutinho grabbed that goal. But we need to be, I think, calm, calculated. We need to believe in our team a bit more because, uh, as Pablo said, this team, the amount of resilience that they show, the amount of character, personality, they honestly believe that they can win this Premier League title. I know... Some Arsenal fans may think that we may not win it. Um, we may fall at, at the last hurdle. But honestly, I'm telling you right now, these players believe that they can win this Premier League title. There's going to be setbacks, which we saw against Brentford, which we saw against Manchester City. But the sign of champions is to respond and to respond in a manner where come the end of the season, you think, yeah, they, they deserve to win the title. A lot of media hysteria, pundits, uh, there's a lot of envy now, I think, with this Arsenal oh. team. And I don't mind that. I embrace it because a few years ago, we used to get mocked. No one used to take us seriously. People were just laughing at us, similar to how people are doing with Chelsea right now. And I don't want to be in that position. I want to be hated. The best teams are hated. And now people realise this Arsenal team are a very, very good team because 100%. When Aston Villa was 2-2 or 2-1 yesterday... People were getting ready to throw the daggers at Arsenal. Arsenal had bottled it. This team um, can't bounce back to Manchester City. Manchester City are going to easily win this Premier League title. But we showed character, character, resilience, personality. And we showed that we can win this Premier League title. So I embrace it. I, I, if, if people want to be haters, let them. I love it. I, I'm enjoying it every single moment. So like the talk sport uh, and everyone, um, Gabby Agbondlahor saying Martinelli was being a bit cheeky. With his uh, goal like, celebration, you know the phrase of reaching for it's criticism. True. Well, I've never seen someone reach so much to try and find something to have a go at us for. And the fact is, they hate Mikel Arteta, and that I love that so much. And you know what I love the most when Simon Hooper done this, and then Arteta's doing the same. I love the bloke. I, I love the bloke. It's a, it's a real. It is unreal. But I'm loving yeah. the editing, by the way, that people are doing with it as well online. If you've Crazy. not seen some of the videos people have put together, it's. Uh... It's special. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we want to be hated. If if we're going to compete for the Premier League title, if we're going to win Premier League titles, we're going to be a team that's hated. So yeah, I embrace it. I love it. And um, long may it continue. Absolutely. Um, Mike, you've rejoined us. Um, I'm loving how like aesthetically pleasing the unicorn behind you slowly moves past the camera. <laughs> it, it comes up, it gives me a little kiss sometimes. You know, the wind blows in multiple different ways. I'm still, one of these days... 
it will have Bukayo Saka on it, and you guys will be like, how did you pull that off? But, uh, <laughs> it so. will be impressive. Um, yeah, obviously, you didn't get to talk kind of um, too much about um, your thoughts and feelings after that game, but in, in essence, break it down for us. I mean, the one thing that you said at the beginning was for this game, did it really need to be just a win of any kind or did it need to be a specific kind of win? Every game just needs to be a win of any kind. I mean, this is this game may be more important in the sense of uh, of to break the negative spell that was cast on the club, the, the, the internal doubts, the absolute if there were any and you'd know better than I would. The extra, I mean, they probably wouldn't tell you, but uh, the external doubts. I mean, the eye test could show you that there are some players on this team, if not the team as a whole, who have kind of taken a bit of an emotional and a and a and a confidence hit over the last three weeks, whether from losing, from having a potential uh, competitor brought into the club at their position, from whatever the numbers of, of of things that could cause it. It hasn't just been a wobble of play. It's been a crisis of confidence, and you've seen it. And maybe crisis is too strong of a word now because if yesterday's any sign, this team has a resilience that can absolutely overcome that to, to, to break through that, to take bad results and come back and, and, and show some heart and some, some absolute spirit. So, I mean, I don't care if we had gone down 5-0 and came back and, and scored six. I don't care if it was a boring nil-nil and then we, we you know, got an own goal at the end, which, which kind of we did in a sense. But, like, we needed a win, and the way we got that win and all the circumstances and the storylines, um, I mean, it, this club has got to be absolutely buzzing right now. And it's amazing how the fortunes and the emotions of a fan base and a club can just flip from one end to the other within a few days. Yeah. It it did feel as though, you know, it, the importance of that goal, not just for the, obviously with the points and what it meant for the table and stuff, but Pablo, it was, it, it felt like every kind of feeling, every emotion of angst, of built up and pent up frustration and worry and concern and kind of a, oh, we're going to blow it kind of feeling just evaporated so quickly and it was just replaced immediately by this elative force of, of just happiness um, of, of how we felt. I mean, you know, in the, as, as has been described, as many articles have, have talked about, the celebrations in the press box were mad. Like, you know, they were, it was impossible. It was, <laughs> I can't speak on that. But what I can say is that I, who I'm typically trying to be so restrained in what I, because it's so, because you are sitting amongst, the home supporters in the away stadium. And there is an element of, of, of respect, I think, is the word to use, because you have to respect the fact that you're surrounded. If that was the other way around, it would be a problem. Um, but in those moments, I think there's also an understanding that emotion just uh, takes over. So tell me how you're feeling about kind of the emotion of it all and the importance of it as well. I swear this team ages me like 10 years plus, because <laughs> honestly <laughs> and truly, we go from City where, like I said, I didn't kind of have my expectations for City, but it was still, I believe that in the City game, we actually did really well. Am I cutting out? Can you hear me all right? No, no, you're fine. I'm laughing at the chat box. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right, right. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually think we played really well. We played some nice football, and it was just individual errors that let us down. So it was kind of like a kick in between the legs um, on that game. And then, like I said earlier, I don't know if you guys heard me because the internet was breaking up, but the beginning of the Aston Villa game, it was kind of like, 
oh, here we go again, sort yeah. of type of thing. But watching this team fight, and considering uh, this is where you have to give Arteta praise, and this is where I'm going to eat my humble pie because someone like Jorginho coming in, and I think you guys remember on your podcast, and you joined me on a phone in show, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember no, Mike's I remember, and I remember that. grilling yeah. me for it, but um, I, I'm happy to be wrong, I'm actually super happy to be wrong. Um, mm. well, so far, as far as it's shown, yeah, but yeah. A I mean, caveat there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like for now, the the balance that we have between experience when you've got like, even though Jesus is not playing at the moment, from what the players say, there's a lot of background stuff that he's still involved in, involved with, sorry. And you've got Shevchenko, you've got Shaka, you've got Jorginho now, you've got like all these experienced players sort of looking after this brilliant bunch of young players coming through that seem to be fearless. I mean, like Saka, for example, he's he's fearless at the moment, yeah? And when he heads into a game, I think every game he walks into, he knows he's going to cause damage to the other team. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. And that mixture of experience and youth and hunger and everything that's been built is reflecting on our performances and is also reflecting on our fans because our fans, I don't remember us being, I've been going to the Emirates for years and I don't remember us being so connected to the team like we are now. So it's a good time to be an Arsenal fan, to be honest with you. And I actually really, 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 really think, I know it's going to sound crazy, but I really think we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> oh, Tom, wow. Tom yeah. was it not, was it not you that said that. on that call-in show after the, uh, after the transfer deadline that, you know, essentially who would you rather have if in some crazy world Partey was not ready for the Manchester City game? And couldn't play. Would you rather have plug I in wish Jorginho? I, hadn't have said that. I really wish I hadn't have said that. <laughs> well, well, look. Okay, so that wasn't where that game was lost. To be yeah, honest, I know. With you. yeah, because Jorginho was our best player. So, the, sentiment, yeah, yeah. the sentiment was, you know, if if God forbid we have we don't have Partey for that game, would you rather have Jorginho, Lakanga, uh, one of the El Nenny or one of the other, you know, people we were rumored to to be looking at. I, I've forgotten all their names now, but like those guys from the I feeder league, and I know, I know. you know, <laughs> who would you rather have playing in that game? And and the answer was Jorginho, and we saw why because he can do a job over thirty eight games. He's not going to be your best player, but we're all seeing why Arteta wanted him now. And may may Thomas Partey come back very soon and fit. May we sign a more permanent and younger and, and more talented replacement over the summer so that he's not our guy uh, going forward. But for the next three months, this is why we bought him. And, Mike, sorry, can I just jump in there, Mike? And uh, the thing is, Mike, that's where I was worried about Jorginho. It's almost because you expect Partey to get injured at some point, as good that's as he reality. is. Yeah, yeah as good it, as he is, yeah. he gets injured a hell of a lot. And that's maybe something that we might have to look into the future, like obviously because it does Bro, affect your style of play. If we don't um, buy a guy and we go in the next season with Jorginho and Partey being the the two options there, we've made a, a dreadful mistake. Well, and and this is what my point was: is the fact that I know he's a. Uh, it sounds horrible saying there's a stopgap considering how well he's played in the past two games, well, but it's like you know Partey is going to be injured, and 
you think to yourself, you need a like comfortable, like you need to be comfortable in who you're going to replace him with. And mm. at that time, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't comfortable with Jorginho being taken over Partey because it's almost like I knew Partey was going to get injured, and he normally gets injured during yeah. the big games, which is really hard to take. So it was like, although Tom's point made a a lot, a lot of sense, but it's I was worried about that, and I'll be honest with you. And this is where I'll take it back because the guy has stood up. He's he's actually stepped in and not only has he played well, he's got what in a lot of people's eyes man of the match performance against Villa. And he was one of our best players against City as well. So you can't fault him, to be fair. So hold my hands up, I'm wrong. Good on you, yeah. Pablo. <laughs> and, and Umar, I'll let you have a word on, on Jorginho as well, you know, because as as I think uh, Ray says in the chat, like you look at the length of contract, you know. It's not like the Czech and the Willian and the David Luiz situations. You know, we've that that contract is cultivated around him being a player that you know had six months, I think, left to run on his um, Chelsea deal. You've offered him a situation where he can get another season of football, potentially another with the option that's included if he does well enough. And you know, if he does do well enough, there's no reason why we we shouldn't activate that clause. It's way too early to talk about that now, but it's smart business in a window where we really did push, arguably above and beyond. Well, above beyond, in my view, the market value of, of Caicedo. And with very little time left, you still managed to get in a player that has proven that he's able to have an impact in the most important season in modern memory of the football club. 100%. Um, there was a lot of overreaction, I think, when he signed. Um, Jorginho does have limitations to his game. He's not the most mobile of midfielders. Um, he does lack a lot of pace. But he has a lot of positives as well. He's someone who is uh, progressive in terms of um, f- forward passing. You look at yesterday against his, pro- his performance against Aston Villa, he was always thinking to pass the ball forward. There was so many opportunities where he played that ball. I, I think he played the pass to Ben White. Ben White had that cross when NK hit the bar. He played an- another reverse ball to Saka towards the end of the game. So he's a player which does have positives as well. Um but yeah, it's a stopgap signing. He bring it. He brings experience. Um, he seems like a well likable figure amongst the dressing room. Good character. So for twelve million or however much it is, that goal. I know it's not his goal. It's an Emmy Martinez goal. But if that if if Even that better. goes yeah in yeah. May in May yeah. if we win the Premier League title and that's basically his biggest um, impact that he's made uh, for Arsenal. We'll take it. It's worth twelve million pounds, and there's a lot of talk saying Asian Jorginho, etc. It's too much. This guy, he's won the biggest of trophies: Champions Leagues, um, Europa League, um, Club World Cup. He's a player which brings so much experience, so much quality. And you always made a good point for me, TC. Who would you rather want uh, in big games if Party's not there? Mohamed Oneni, Sambi Lokonga, or Jorginho? And Jorginho every every single day of the week, and I think he's shown it. Uh, he showed against Manchester City, and he proved it against um, Aston Villa yesterday. So, yeah, hopefully he can continue. But yeah, he's doing well. And he's a Brazilian-born player. I know he's he, he's Italian, but he's Brazilian-born. He speaks the language, and you know, we have a an entire side of of Brazilian-speaking players, and that. Yeah, it's not going to take him time to bed in, and and good good for that because we did, he wasn't given time to bed in. When did he move to uh, Italy? Uh, do we know? Um, yeah, well, he uh, fifteen. He moved. Yeah, uh, fifteen. So yeah, um, yeah. We would obviously be fluent. We're all on, on Wikipedia right now. 
I, I am, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I was doing... I, born, I was like, just I've checking. Been spreadsheeting, <laughs> I've been spreadsheeting the whole Chelsea finances situation for weeks now, uh, getting ready to do another show. And, and I, mm. I, I could not for the life of me figure out who this player, Hort... George Luis Freo Fio was. I was like, I finally looked it up. I'm like, oh shit, we just signed him. <laughs> yeah, George Luis Frello Filio is, is his name. Surprised there's not a Gabriel in there somewhere. Uh, that's the reason why we bought him. Um, but yeah, there no, is, but he think... just kept it quiet while he was at Chelsea. Yeah, and look, um, there is an element of smugness. I'm not going to lie; it'd be impossible for me to not have an element of smugness after you know. But it, it more comes from just the the smugness. More comes from you know not being necessarily I right. Want I want to clip that. It would be impossible for me not to have a lot a level of smugness and just take it out of context. It's just in my nature. I can't help it. Um, being right is great. Being wrong is also great when it benefits the club, and that has happened plenty uh, as well. So I'm very appreciative of that, but. It's more so because the January market and Edu, Edu got pelters and, and has been getting pelters. You know, this last week, Edu out was trending after Man City. It was trending after Brentford. The guy that, you know, has helped Mikel Arteta to build a team that has gone above and beyond expectations last season, has gone well above and beyond expectations for this season has then gone into January, spent over 50 million quid on three players in a market where you never look to really try and get really top quality business done. And you trust me, you can spend a lot more than 50 million in January and it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work out. Just look at our West London fellas down there. You know, you can spend upwards of 200 million in a window. And I guarantee you, if this, if it was the other way around and we'd bought the players that Chelsea had bought in, no one would be saying Edu out. They'd be saying, well done, Edu. You've brought in Mudrik, you brought in Enzo Fernandez, you brought in Joao Felix. Hmm. But look at what's happened and look what's happening there. It's about getting the right players in. It's not about how much you spend or the name is not that fanciful. It's about getting the right players at the right time. And it's taken a bit of time to learn that because at the start of Edu's tenure, there were questions. But there's one thing that you need more than anything in any individual at an executive or managerial level. And it's what we're doing a bit of this season, which is holding your hands up, saying when you got something wrong and learning from it. Because if you're stubborn and you're stuck in your ways. But that's not ambitious enough, though. I mean, he might be be brilliant and, and, and making all the right decisions. But God damn it, he's not ambitious. If he was, they would have they would have spent 300 million on uh on people who suck. Like Chelsea. <laughs> For the record, I don't think Ralph Felix sucks. I think he looks pretty mm. good, but he hasn't yeah. been able to do anything. Yeah, but they also won't have him beyond uh, May. So, <laughs> so true. Yeah, he's already that. cost himself three. Yeah, but have you seen long. our Ukraine friend? Apparently, broke a record today. Didn't it? was it today? Is it the Chelsea yes, played? Oh, yesterday. Sorry. Yeah. Mudrick, yeah. What did yeah, he do? Mudrick. What's he done now? Oh, it was um, giving the ball away. It was a record amount of time he gave the ball away for a substitute. Really? Like in the Premier League wow. or something like that. That's the yes. thing is, look, I, I say that with tongue to in cheek. Results in poor play. I mean, it's weird. <laughs> I say it with tongue in cheek, but at the end of the day, I do feel as though if we'd have signed Mudrik or if we'd have signed Enzo Fernandez, they would have just been better coached. They would have been doing better at Arsenal, you know? I think that's probably fair to point out. I don't want to point that out because it's funnier to point it out this way. But, you know, it's. I just think it's. it's so callous. It's so fickle to just... We see a couple of drop results and all of a sudden Edu is the villain, you know, the worst thing that could have happened to us. Um, 
But actually, no, when you take a step back for a second, you give it time, you let it marinate for a bit, and then Jorginho gets his chance, comes in, plays like he does. Trossard's got, you know, the same amount of goals as Ralph Felix has since he's come in. Um, yes, we couldn't get the win in really annoying circumstances against Brentford, as we all know too well. But that having that competition was key. Having that versatility up top is key. Um Let's talk about the game a bit more because um, there was, Umar, some things that I wasn't... And maybe and this is where I kind of rely on. That's why I like getting other people on the show to talk about this because sometimes it tells me if I am being a bit over the top. But one of the criticisms I have is still that Arteta's subs still bother me. Mm. For, for four, three league games in a row, we've made the exact same changes in the context of what they are, which is the left wing for the left wing, the right back mm. for the right back, and Vieira for Xhaka. That's happened in all three games. You know, and this time it's worked against Brentford. It nearly worked, obviously, because we are we should have won that game anyway. And Trossard was the one who came off the bench and scored. But there's, I, as we've discussed on the Arsenal way, I just feel like I want more from the subs. I want, I don't want like for likes. I want things that are going to be more proactive in changing the system, in changing the structure, in changing the personnel. Am I being overly critical of the situation? Not really, um, because I agree. Um, I'd like a bit or, or something which is a bit different, something which makes the opposing manager think. And I think the next games that we have, um, I want to see rotation um, during the start of games because Leicester City is going to be a tough game next weekend. But then we've got back-to-back home games against Everton uh, and who's, who's the next game? Bournemouth. And they're going to be reserved. They're going to be looking for a point not going to come and be attacking at the Emirates. So we need to break them down. And it's again, it's going to be a low block system that both teams probably will have. So what I like in terms of Fabio Vera, he's an output machine. Like assists, goals, He when he comes on, you, you can tell he can make a difference. I know it's his first season and he struggled in terms of adaptation, um, the culture, I think next season we'll see the best of Fabio Vera, if I'm honest. I think Granit Xhaka struggled in recent games. He seems like um, he's a bit tired, fatigued. So maybe not against Leicester. Uh, I'd make the change because I think it depends on Thomas Partey's fitness. I think if Thomas Partey's fit, I'd probably think about bringing Vieira in for Granit Xhaka. If he's not fit, I wouldn't do that. But I think the next home games, we have Everton and Bournemouth. For me, Fabio Vieira, give him a shot. In, in that left centre mid position because he's an output machine. He reminds me of a Bruno Fernandes, um, a Bernardo Silva, um, someone... You saw that Martin Odegaard chance um, yesterday when Enketia pressed from the front. I think if that falls to Fabio Vieira, it's a goal, uh, if I'm honest. Um, I think he's just got that clinical streak, ruthless streak in him, but he's someone, I think, that can unlock defences. You saw it against Wolves away from home. He came off for Granit Xhaka, and he made an instant impact. When he started against Brentford away from home, um, he scored the goal and I thought he was very good. You need to give opportunities and you need to use your squad um, in long seasons. It's going to be demanding physically and mentally. Like You've got you've got good players in that squad. You've got Kieran Tierney. Um, a lot has been said on social media. He seems a bit... I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but... Frustrated? Stra- yeah, frustrated, you'd, you'd have to yeah. say. And who can blame him? It's <laughs> He's not getting any minutes, you know. Exactly. So, yeah. I think now we've got three games which are winnable, but it's an opportunity for Mikel Teta to use the squads, um, to use the likes of Fabio Vieira, Kieran Tierney, um, not maybe against Leicester City, um, 
because that's I think that's going to be a tough game away from home. But it's a game where I think, especially after seeing them today against United, it's a game where we can cause them a lot of trouble. But then you've got back-to-back home games against Everton and Bournemouth. Use your squad. You've got good um, players on that bench. Fabio yeah. Vieira, Trossard. Change it up. Eddie and Katia looked knackered um, yesterday. He looked tired. But one one thing I'll give him credit for, he never stops working. The the, the press that he put on Consar to get that transfer up, Martin Odegaard, fantastic. Like he was tired. He was knackered, physically jaded. He missed chances. But he keeps going, he keeps working for, for the good of the team. So I think rotation is going to be key. You can't continue to play the same 11 in long, hard seasons. So, yeah, I agree. I think Mikel Arteta, if, if there's one criticism I, I have with Arteta, just use more of your squads. But Mikel Arteta probably knows more. That's why he's in the Emirates dugout and I'm at home. Probably. <laughs> you speak for us all. Just before I let Mike come in quickly, just picking up on your point about the the, the games. We have a period coming up when we play uh, play Leicester of seven games in 23 days. That's that's our schedule. Um, you've got on the 19th, uh, sorry, yeah, on, no, uh, on the 25th of February, we play Leicester away. Uh, on the Wednesday, we play Everton. Then on the following Saturday, again, that's another Wednesday, Saturday chaos. Um, we've got, which is mad when you think about the fact we got Europa League the week after. It made no sense to put that Bournemouth game on the Saturday. You could move that to the Sunday if you were going to put Everton there. Um, but yeah, so you've got Wednesday, the, the first we've got Everton at home. March 4th, the Saturday, we've got Bournemouth at home. Following Thursday, we've got Europa League, whoever we get drawn against. Uh, we've then got the away trip to Fulham, which by the way, if you ever get to go to, please take the boat trip. It's brilliant. Do it. That's certainly worth it. Um, and then we've got the home Europa League fixture. It says home and away. It's interesting. They've already established that's the way around. Um, but then it'll be the home Europa League second leg, um, unless I'm making it up. That's what it says on the website. No, and I, think then you got... I think that's automatic because we're the You're essentially we're the, we're the group right. winner. So. That makes sense. Um, so there's an advantage, I guess, for us in that sense as well. Um, and then we've got on the last one is the 19th Crystal Palace at home. Now, look, they're all what we would describe as, touch wood, winnable games. I think even whoever we get in the Europa League draw, you would probably still describe as a winnable game as well. So that's very smug and, and uh, presumptuous of me. But I think you put Arsenal down as probably the favourites right now to win that competition, even over whoever progresses between Man United and Barcelona. I'd put Arsenal down as, as the favourites based upon their form and who they are in the context of this season. We may rotate heavily, which might significantly lower our chances, but on paper, I'd say Arsenal are the favourites of that competition. Um, But it's just, I agree with you, I think that using the squad smartly is going to come into things in a really important way in these coming weeks. Right, Mike, go on. Well, the part that I'm that I'm confused about a little bit and, and think might be harsh, if I'm understanding it correctly, is is oh. your your seeming desire to want him to kind of make formation changes, uh, which which are which are sometimes called for, uh, but you know the like for like issue, um, where you're replacing Trossard and Martinelli, they're pretty much one starting, the others coming in, and you have the same thing with, uh, I mean, in, in a number of different positions. Uh, ben White and Tomiyasu, for example. Um, I mean, why is that necessarily a bad thing? I mean, I think we're 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 potentially starting to see Martinelli get some of his confidence back by not having the pressure of 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 starting, and and when that happens, he'll get the starting job back. It, it to to me, it just seems like that's a that's an odd thing to criticize him for because we are building a squad now where we can make like to like substitute like for like substitutions and have quality coming in. 
rather than two or three years ago where you'd be replacing a you know a, an inform Aubameyang with you know Niketia or something like that of, of two or three years ago or or worse so I you know to me I I just that seems a bit harsh and you asked if if uh, if you were being a bit harsh on that um you know in, in making a substitutions you you're talking about bringing in tyranny for Zinchenko moving Zinchenko to to midfield um you know the time to do that is probably the Europa League games, as uh, my good friend Aditya in the chat pointed out. From the start of games, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it like at points in the game, like when we went two one down and we were in the second half. Like I wouldn't have minded at half time because Jacker I thought was pretty terrible um, in, in the first half in particular. Like moving Zinni into midfield, putting. How Zinni dare you midfield. insult my boy? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it's no, I think Jack you know, has been brilliant. But there are games where he, everyone mm-hmm. has a drop-off. And I just think that you can be a bit proactive. I think Arteta sometimes maybe leaves subs a bit too late. And even the like-for-like like changes can be a bit, a bit too late. And I'd like to see a bit of injection of energy sooner. I, I don't, you know, I don't think there's anything wild about, you I, know, suggesting that we could be a bit more proactive with it. You know, it, it wasn't wild. I just don't know yeah. that we need to start reinventing the wheels with moving people around from different, you know, positions when when it seems to be working fairly well, bar for two 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 losses. Uh, actually, yeah, two losses. Uh, I'm considering Everton and Man City losses. Brentford wasn't a brilliant performance by any means, but had we won yeah. that game, no one would be complaining too much about his substitution strategy. So I, you know, I, I just, I, I think it's a bit premature to, to, to say that his substitutions are, are wrong. I mean, they didn't work out very well against Manchester city. His adjustments were poor. It was a poorly coached second half against the master. Um, but I'd say we did pretty darn well in the second half of this game and our substitutions were, were perfect. The last, last two substitutions or two of the substitutions we made teamed up, to score a nice empty netter for those of you who uh, who love the NHL and and see those on a regular basis. So uh, you know, you, no, just have to, you have to start supporting your manager, Tom. Yeah, no, I'm just such a hater. Um, Pablo. This, this agenda of yours is getting old. <laughs> it's the only way I get views. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't, I, you know, I can't I mean, help it. <laughs> Go on, Pablo. <laughs> If you're there, you may have gone into Dalek mode, I think, at the, wrong, at the worst oh, possible no. time. How dare he's you? Look, he said he's about, he's about to just slam me with a point. <laughs> Pablo, we might have lost you, mate. I think we're going to have to come back to you uh, once it sorted itself his, out. His um, missus came into the room and turned <laughs> off his internet. Oh, is he back? Can we go can you guys you hear there? me now? Yeah, can you guys hear me now? Uh, yeah, you're just like, your voice and your movements are two different mo- two different things, but we can hear you. <laughs> we can indeed hear you. Talk to us. Okay, well, so basically, I'm going to actually um, agree with you, Tom, on this one, because I find his, frust- his um, substitutions really frustrating. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, Mike's in his unicorn. But All right, so honestly you know, and truly. <laughs> I'm the dumb yank on the pod, obviously. <laughs> No, I, do you know what? I, I kind of get, like, it. so far, it hasn't really sort of... We've had a, the odd games where, obviously, we've dropped points. We haven't dropped many points this season, hence why we are top at the moment, yeah? But there has been so many occasions where we're literally sitting there going, make a substitution, like earlier, yeah? You can see the game needs something new, something changed. Um, not necessarily changing... Um, formation or something like that, but just 
just add a little bit of I think he, he dwells too much and that could be possibly for where he's such a perfectionist yeah he relies on his starting 11 to produce the exact passing style formation movement everything that he wants yeah, yeah. and then his second load of players just haven't got that they they might be good and excellent mm. players, but I just haven't got that exact movement that he wants. Where, like I say, where he is such a perfectionist, and I think that makes him hesitate on substitution sometimes. So I, I, I would personally, personally prefer him to sometimes, especially in games where we're falling behind or the game's going against us, is like make that change a little bit sooner. And I, like you guys mentioned as well about um, Shaka, basically. Uh, the last couple of games, he hasn't been that great. He's kind of had a little bit of a dip of form. I think that's because Partey's not there, because Partey is his legs as such. Shaka's known for not having the movement. He's a brilliant player. I love him at the club, like in the team and stuff. But I think he's missing Partey more than anybody else. And him and Jorginho are two not very mobile midfielders, and that probably is starting to show his weakness again. Yeah, so maybe even in a, t- in a game like I don't know, like Everton or something like that, change it up a little bit because you've got two very unmobile central midfielders playing where you need someone with that little bit of legs. Well, and, you know, and you know, Dice is going to game plan for us the same exact way he did last time, so I, I think that's a great environment. It's, it's, it's yeah, a very exactly. different environment when it comes to the Emirates, like that. I'll tell you what, when I, when I was at Goodison Park, looking at that pitch, I know people talked about it on telly, but when you're there and you can see the pitch, it was awful. And I don't want to be that guy, you know, and I know I am being that guy talking about the pitch, it was so dry so like you you could not pass the way that we're going to be able to pass at the emirates the way in which we're going to be able to play at the emirates is just going to be different it's and just didn't you notice different. there were pebbles placed strategically in the areas where we like to to, to play kind of uh you know tiki taka type of passes I mean, was that wasn't nuts. actually pebbles that was dice went we under the pitch it. and just popped up like a whack-a-mole <laughs> <laughs> If you ever needed that was happening happening at Goodison Park. It's diabolical, (laughs) and I and I forgot to bring the bell out. So unbelievable. Um, let's um, we're going to go to to questions uh, now. Uh, User questions in the chat box, of course, are are the thing we coined and invented with no competition whatsoever. Um, Let's let's do that first of all. Uh, Javier says, uh, Omar, which Arsenal non-starter will have the most important impact for the rest of this season? That's a good question. Yeah, good question. Does Dan Jesus? (laughs) Martinelli, yeah. Um, I'm going to say Emil Smith-Rowe. Um, I, I, I would say him because I, I would love to say Gabriel Jesus, but obviously mm. that doesn't count. But I'd say Emil Smith-Rowe because we've not seen much of him. Um, I think last season he was fantastic. This season uh, injuries have hampered his progression, but he's still a top, top player. And if he can stay fit, um, get a few minutes under his belt in the forthcoming weeks, just get that fitness up. Um, I think he'll be vital in the last three months of the season because what he offers from midfield, I think personally for me, is priceless. He's someone that can score goals. 
someone who can unlock low block defenses, someone who can interchange and interlink with the likes of Bakaya Saka, uh, Martinelli, and someone which is a different option that we have. Obviously, we have Granit Xhaka, Thomas Partey, Jorginho uh, in midfield, but a most Mifro is different. He's someone that can win you points, someone that can score goals, and someone that can produce uh, big moments in big games. So I'd say a most Mifro because I think a lot of Arsenal fans have forgotten he is a very good player. And if he if he is fit, he's another option. And he's someone I think that can make an impact for us. That's a one great word answer. Mike, one word answer on this, just one name. ESR. I mean, I, I I agree with that. I'd, I'd love to see it. Pablo? Mine would be Trossard. Mm. I think he's going to be a, a big change for us. So Trossard is my one-word answer. I was thinking, is it cheating to say Jorginho? Because I feel as though he's not a starter in our you know, mm. best eleven. So I, I think Jorginho might cheating. end up being... It's, it's not cheating. It's just wrong. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's just wrong. <laughs> I love that clip. That's one of my favourite clips. Um, who is it? Is it Ed uh, Miliband? It is, isn't it? That says I have it. no idea what you're even referring to. Did I not, not just not, make that up? Not, no, it's not. It's, when you say it's, it's, it's just, it's just wrong. Like, have you not seen the video, Umar? You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I don't. To be fair, clearly that's the video of like Ed Miliband where he's like, it's, it's just wrong. I don't know <laughs> who Ed Miliband is. I'm a, I'm a dumb. He used yank. to be like the leader what of the Labour shit. Party yeah. like years ago. Oh, okay. um, so this is just one of those. I think he's. I only know. Like, I only um, know Neil Neil Kinnock, Neil Warnock. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all the Neils. They're, they're the only ones I know. Uh, another before we go to to Mike with the next question, we'll do another one word answer. How many points in the next five games? Those next five games are Leicester away, Everton at home, Bournemouth at home, Fulham away, and Palace at home. How many points, Umar, out of fifteen? Fifteen out of fifteen. Love that, Mike. Twelve. Uh, Pablo. Fifteen. Whoa, I'm going thirteen uh, out of fifteen. Negative, I am. We might draw one. <laughs> there what'd you say look how negative i've become oh okay um yeah you're being so negative <laughs> um let's go to mike for this one how come no one is talking about um playing parte or Jorginho together so the potential for when parte comes back could he fulfill what jack is currently doing you know better than to ask me these tactical ass <laughs> questions um uh, how come no? I mean, he's already wrong because we're now talking about it. <laughs> Not really the answer he wanted. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have no. I, I honestly don't know that much about how Jorginho plays because I, all I know is his stupid little hop, skip, and a jump when he when he kicks penalties, which he won't have a chance to do here. So um, the, the irony is, Temmy's outed himself because actually I got asked this question in the morning show for today. So <laughs> Temmy's not watching anything we do before. 12 I mean, look, 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 if let, let me give you my my stock answer here, which is that at this point, if Mikel Arteta thinks that that is a good idea, um, then I'd be all for it. If okay. if he if he doesn't, and it doesn't necessarily appear that he that he does, um, unless once i mean although they haven't both been fit at the same time really um then i won't be okay with it so you know that's i, I i'm trusting him in, in in arteta's form uh, formations at this point um, check perk says pablo are you boys scared like me of united getting bought out by petrol money uh since ffp is a clown show you muted 
do you know what? I started <laughs> off so well as well. <laughs> you were so confident with that answer. I was so confident in my reply there. But no, it was... Um, no, so to be honest with you, um, you'd be a fool not to be scared of it. Um, because Man United... See, the thing is, it's like you've got Newcastle that are building up to be this like big money club and stuff like that. United are practically there already. They've always spent big money. They've got some very good players in their squad. Um, the club has just been run poorly. Yeah, They've always spent the money and they've had the players. They just haven't run the club properly. Um, and I think if you get somebody with a hell of a lot of money that's going to invest into in the like the infrastructure of the club, they could be potentially going back to being the Man United that people my age remember, yeah, the ones that were a threat to the Premier League. So, yeah, I mean, it is worrying. But then you've got Chelsea, you've got Newcastle, you've got City, you've got everyone. It's like the Premier League is the best in the world for a reason. And this is it. It's because it doesn't matter who you play, you're going to get a game. Look at City drawing with like Nottingham Forest. Yeah. You tally up the money that City have got on their squad to the Forest team, but yet you're going to lose points. So Premier League is just so unpredictable, but adding these big spending clubs sort of coming in is, yeah, there's just more more competition. I asked you that question, Pablo, because I know you have the most financial expertise of the, the panel today. Um, Mike, do you, do you want to add something? I, I, I don't have financial expertise, but the financial unicorn would like to answer that question. <laughs> Manchester United are in no way, shape, or form in any kind of FFP concerns because of their commercial revenues right now. So all the money in the world for their owner won't make them be able to buy more players. They can already buy anybody that they want and overpay them. However, what... People ask me why I question when I get my card. (laughs) What Pablo did mention... Hey, guys, it was actually me answering that question. What Pablo did mention is I don't... They don't buy a team... That, that might cost four or five billion pounds without making better decisions than the current board and the current ownership would, without taking more interest yeah. in it. And, uh, and what concerns me more than anything else is them clearing out the boardroom, replacing it with smart football people and making better financial decisions on the players that they buy. I mean, they, they'd be better off spending less money and, and, and having a kind of a rebuilding process and getting rid of all their deadwood, which they already pretty much did by just getting rid of Ronaldo. Um, and and so, yeah, I don't love the idea of them getting bought out, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's because FFP is a clown show. FFP isn't a clown show other than, uh, you know, UEFA letting off Man City. Well, they didn't even let off Man City. Yeah, they kind of the did. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a clown show because Chelsea spent a lot of money. As you will find out, they haven't violated FFP yet. Uh, so as long as Manchester United makes better decisions, doesn't spend three years outside of Europe, FFP is irrelevant to them. Fair enough. Um, we were asked about the points earlier, and a fair few people uh, left their predictions. Marcus says 18 from 15, which I love. That's uh, ultimate optimism. Maybe maybe the league will just give us the three points they owed us from the whole Brentford thing. <laughs> so, that would be a bonus. Uh, 15, Peter says 13. Aditya says 15. Rand says 13. It's, it's, I love the optimism. I guarantee you, if we'd have drawn that game against Villa, you would have been seeing sevens, eights. Um, you know, it, it would have been mad how different the prediction, the feel around the club is, what one goal can do to change the the, the whole situation. Um, 
<laughs> Mark says, Kivior or Tom, mid-fight in the press box. Who's quickest? <laughs> uh, Kivior's going to be way quicker than me. Way quicker than me. Um, well, you know, my acceleration to get in a scrap, I'll tell you. It's uh, it's up there. Um, Rancid says, Umar, if Man United gets all the all money, is there any point to Manchester team having the... Uh, is there any point having to uh, have... I think two as in the number two, two Manchester teams uh, in the league, they would be basically the same thing. Obviously, I've not really let you have a point on this, so go for gold, mate. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think, uh, as Pablo said, I think there'll be a threat. Um, but what as what Mike said as well, I think they spend a lot of money anyways, £100 million on Anthony. Um, they bought Casemiro for, for big money, but sometimes they don't spend the money for the right players. So they need the right football expertise behind the scenes. And if they get that, there will be a force. I think Eric Ten Hag, very good manager. I think this season, you see this Manchester United team, he's changed the culture of this Manchester United team. They seem more united, uh, very good team. Um, they're going to be a threat uh, for the future years. I'd say they're in a tighter race right now because you have to put them there. When you look at the Premier League table, um, I don't think they'll win it. I think in a few months, I, I think they'll fall off because they're not competing with one team. They're trying to overtake two. And I think for me, both Manchester City and Arsenal will need to fall off hard for Manchester United to overtake both of them. But Manchester United have got a congested fixture list as well. Um, they've got Liverpool in the next Premier League game away from home. Liverpool seem to have bounced back. Um, and if Arsenal get three wins out of three I think they'll be 14 points ahead of Manchester United and for me I'd rather have the points on board um, rather than games in hand if I'm honest so yeah there'll be a threat but I think for me they just need the right people uh, behind the scenes and if they do do that there will be a threat because Manchester United is Manchester United <coughs> I, I hate them um, I dislike them I dislike the fan base but they are a big club and um, they're never down for far too long so yeah I'd say there'll be a threat yeah, it's it's. I kind of hop back to the uh, the Incredibles film, um, where he says, "When everyone's super, <laughs> you know, no one will be." And I think you know, you get to a stage except your memory of that. Your memory of that film is it being age appropriate for you. Mine is that showing it for my kids so that they would stop bothering <laughs> yeah. me all the time. I genuinely <laughs> saw that as a child. Yeah, that's uh, when the first one came out. If that makes any other older listeners feel any older. <laughs> but no it's uh it's true i, I think it's the point where it's not going to be necessarily about the money it's it's going to be about the decision making behind how that's how it's spent and at the moment arsenal i've got to be up there with one of the smartest decision makers in the league if not the smartest i mean other than you people will point to teams like brighton you know for instance but for me and, and this is where, you know, I really disagreed with a lot of what Andy Naylor from The Athletic was talking about. We've kind of like, you know, talking about the success of um, and the irony of why don't Arsenal just buy Brighton's recruitment team? When in reality, you're looking at a situation where you go, well, if you actually look at the number of players Brighton have bought, the success rate of the players they've bought is in the like 30s to 40 percent range. It's not up there with 80 plus percent like Arsenal's is because they can buy about 10 players for three, four million quid and a few of them are going to work out. Arsenal can't afford to do that. You know, that's why it's different. So, yeah, things like that for sure. But again, yeah, doubling down on that point, it's going to be more so about how the money is spent rather than how much you have to spend. Um, but yeah, the, the fees are going to start becoming even more. I say becoming, they already are ridiculous, but they're going to get even more ridiculous as we continue to, to go through these things. Uh, a couple more questions before we round off. Um, 
Let's go to O'Malley, Mike, who says, uh, how do we manage the Europa League once it comes back into play? Do we do full rotation for those games or just three or four changes? God, this is... Uh, this is. This, did you want me for this? Or? No, I, thought you said I said Mike, Mike but Pablo... Oh, well, Mike's going on. The, uh, I mean, th this is fascinating. Even the unicorn is turning his back on you right now. So, <laughs> you know, it's got a mind of its own. It's full of hot air. The uh, we haven't been in a Europa League campaign while while really really playing for something incredibly important in the Premier League for a long long time. I mean, playing for top four to try to get back into the Premier League, sure, but or get into the Champions League, sure. But I mean, I really do not know how he's going to manage that. We we simply cannot be playing games on Thursdays and Sundays repeatedly and starting the same 11 and just and and maybe just changing the substitution patterns a little bit. So, I don't see how if we are in the in the Premier League fight that we are right now, but you know, a few weeks from now when we start back up with the Europa League, I don't see how we don't make wholesale changes in the Europa League. Uh, if you have to prioritize one, in the past it's been Europa League because it's been our best way of getting back into Europe, uh, the big Europe. But now yeah. I, I, you absolutely have to prioritize if you need to prioritize, and we do because we don't have the, the, the two full squads of 11 like, like, uh, like City do or like Barcelona does or, or, or even Manchester United as far as depth of, of quality players. So. We're going to have to rotate, and he's going to have a job on his hand to make sure that we don't enter another rut. Uh, so I don't know about full rotation, but I think we're going to see five changes maybe made from 11. I think we're going to see Matt Turner. I think we're going to see, uh, you know, essentially the best of our second 11 play in those games, and, and, and I think that's the right way of doing it. Yeah, sorry, I clicked. I've got like a hotkey, and it decided to click the wrong button, so I mute myself. But there you go. Um, yeah, with uh, with players like I think Enketi will start to play those games because Jesus, you'd hope, would be back by then. Smith Rowe will get more minutes in those games. Vieira gets more minutes in those games. Nelson probably gives Saka a bit of a rest. Um, you've got you know Jorginho is probably going to start most of these games now, whilst for however long uh, Partey is out. It did seem positive from what Arteta said. He said he feels he might need another week, which you know, you'd, if he's not back for. For Leicester, you'd think he'd be at least back for Everton um, in midweek after that. Um, you've obviously got Tommy Asu. You've got uh, you've got Tierney to come in. Kivior needs to get some game time as well. Rob Holding is reliable in that competition. Defensively, I'm, I'm sound with him. And Turner, I think, has proven to be great. We have another 11, which is something when we were in the Europa League last time, we didn't have another 11, you know. And we have been able to extend the quality into that second team quite significantly so as well. Um, let's round off today's show. There was a question uh, really earlier on um, that I definitely should have started because I have the ability to actually save questions in StreamYard and I completely forgot. Um, I can't find it. So Kevy Kev um, is going to ask a question to Pablo who says, who do you think makes the most impact at striker next season? Enketia or Balogun? I'm going to caveat by saying next season for Arsenal. Because it might be easy to say, well, Balogun, somewhere else. <laughs> that was going to be my answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, it's really hard. It's like Balogun at the moment is absolutely smashing it in the French league. Um, top goal scorer of the league, I, I think, I believe it still is. Um, and yeah. even when he was at Arsenal, sort of like coming through the ranks, everyone had this massive expectation of him. Um, and Ketia is actually 
doing extremely well. For let's not forget that since the World Cup, and Ketia has been our striker, and we're still top of the league. Yeah, yes, he's, he's like I'll be honest with you. Some of the chances that he missed at Villa and at City was quite questionable. But it, it, players go through that stages, and he's young as well. Yeah, there's no saying that if Balogun was there doing in exactly the same position, he would have made something out of it. So it's it's really difficult because them two are kind of like unknown sort of. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's hard to compare the two because they're quite different style of players, but it's it kind of would depend, I suppose, on what Arteta wants for the future. Yeah, whether you want a Balogun style of player, whether you want uh, Eddie and Ketia style of player. Um, style of play, no, sorry, what's that? <laughs> Barca style of it's when you said Balogun player, I was like, yeah, yeah, it reminds me of Andy Tate. Remember that guy? <laughs> oh, <Andy> yeah. Tate? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's really hard to see because obviously, and Ketia's had a Premier League experience, and mm. let's be honest, he's not let us down. Is that I personally think he's been for a young lad coming in as a second choice striker with the pressure that he's had on him because he's not come in as like, oh well, this is a new young lad. Let's see what he does. He's almost been like he's not Jesus. Yeah. From the minute he steps on the pitch, he's not Jesus. So the pressure is already on him. So the fact that he has to handle that on every single game that he goes into and actually perform. I think he deserves a lot more credit than it's worth. Um, put Eddie, this is a question for you, put Eddie in the French League and how many goals will he get? Well, it's interesting you say that because Dan just put in the chat, if Nketi was in the French League, I bet he wouldn't have scored 10 goals. I disagree I mean, with that. I disagree with that massively. <laughs> no, no, he would not have scored 10 goals. He would have scored like 25 goals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I agree. Like you look at the finishes. Yeah, I mean, the French, the French league just isn't. It, it's. Just, I mean, I played in the French league for four years. That's how. <laughs> that's how not hard it is. I mean, and I did. And I did, yeah. I did the Joey Barton in my <laughs> interviews. Like, league, to be fair, I, I did the it's, Joey Barton in my interviews. I, you know, I spoke with the French accent. <laughs> that was one of the worst. I was going to say one of the worst. It was one of the best. I've ever heard, but one of the worst. Um, press conferences I've ever enjoyed oh, watching it's, it's, back. It's the best. I watch it twice a week on YouTube. It's fantastic. <laughs> Someone else did that as well. Someone else put on a French accent. I think they were British. Um, or was it David Moyes putting on a Spanish twang when he was at Real Sociedad? I feel like I remember that being a thing. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he tried... No, didn't he like intersperse a bit of Spanish into an English sentence? Or, or, or was it Unai Emery <laughs> trying to speak English at all? I mean, maybe that's what we're thinking about. I'm sure that's... Um, uh, I'm sure that was a thing where David Moyes just spoke Spanish. I know you're just, ending yeah. the podcast, but we, I mean, we have to talk about Emmy Martinez. And how beautiful and wonderful that outcome was. I mean, he yeah, literally a, 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 uh, oh, what was that show with the, oh, Benny Hill moment for him. Just to uh, full circle. I, I almost feel like I don't need to make, I don't need to even mention his name ever again. And I'm, trust me, I mentioned his name a lot um, because now the, the, the saga is over and he lost. I, I, I can't repeat what the Arsenal fans were chanting at him, but it was 
amazing. Like, amazing. And these were just the ones in the press box. <laughs> it's just a lot of lies if you're a crap man around now, you know. <laughs> and I mean, genuinely, like 3,000 Arsenal fans oh. at the same end that he is standing oh, at. God. Just doing that was unbelievably yeah. and, funny. And then, and then Emery basically threw him under the bus after the game as mm. well. I mean, oh, it's just glorious. I, 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 I think, I think I, Emery was selling, you know, that in the summer. I can't see uh, I don't I wouldn't blame him. Like I know he's a decent keeper, but he's just he can be such a liability at times. And his personality just is just yeah. horrid. He's got it's a little too horrid. big for his britches. I mean, maybe if yeah, the game was yeah. just all was just just a penalty shootout, then then he'd be yeah. valuable. But, you can I mean, see a decent sized European club coming in for him, I think. Um, yeah. you know, or you know, like if if Newcastle want to go and for, for him or something like that, I know they didn't just sign Nick Pope, but still, like they but, might want to move on. Oh, to I would like love that. Newcastle. Um, if if he was our keeper with that arrogance, would you not like? Well, that this, I said this on the morning show. I said if he was doing this for us, I'd probably love it. Just just the housery, like heading the ball love... into his own net. <laughs> not that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like we saving a penalty from Aubameyang right back to him. I mean, like like all the. <laughs> I mean, I know, but I mean, like from us, we love Ramsdale because mm. he's like there with the away fans, and he's egging them on, and he's like, I, like getting him going yeah, and stuff. Like, and we yeah. love that. We I would love, love the attitude. From an away I would love fan, Emmy's attitude. I would he's love Emmy's attitude if he played for us. In the world, yeah, so I, lo- I love like, shithousery when it's for us. I yeah. I don't when it's against us. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. So if he was still with us, we'd probably appreciate. His, um, it's the hypocrisy, isn't it, of a football fan? You know, you hate it when it's against you, you love it when it's for you. It's just the way it's. I found this. David Boyd said. He said, um, <laughs> he says the Scott had been describing how he was keeping an eye on his new club's reserve players when he said, "I've seen the B team train Uno Dos Tres Cuatro times." <laughs> I mean, that's just gold. <laughs> that's just pure gold. Uh, they, that's probably da, the best da, That was when he was David Moyes. David, David Moyes. David yes, Moyes. 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 <laughs> absolutely. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, really hope you've enjoyed this evening's kind of chilled, laid back, casual uh, look back at the game yesterday. Um, do drop a like on the video, subscribe if you're new. And thank my fantastic panel of guests, Umar. Brilliant debut on TGT, mate. Thank you for coming on. Much appreciated. Tell people where they find you. Pleasure, TC. And yeah, you can find me on the Arsenal way. But yeah, thanks for Pablo and Mike. Uh, been a good show. Absolutely. Uh, you can also find, and I'll tell you what, it took me a while to find him on Twitter because he decided to put an underscore at the start of his Twitter account. Um, but it's at underscore Umar C10 is where you can find Umar on Twitter. I was like, at Umar, I was getting like a million Umars come up and I was like, I don't follow any of these guys. <laughs> like, I'm not coming up because you put a stupid <laughs> underscore at the start of your Twitter handle. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, Magic, thank you so much, as always, um, for... I, I I said that you must have been wrinkled at the start of the show. We, now we've got to the end. I, I dread to think. I don't want to know. But thank you for coming on, mate. Tell then me why do you keep asking you. me? No, thanks for having <laughs> us. Uh, you can find me uh, in the pool in Florida. You can find me at the Gooners pod. Uh, we'll be doing a pod probably 10 o'clock tomorrow night. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I mean, always happy to be on with you. Come to Chicago. In, in in April and uh, and you will get to see some some master podcasters and me 
uh, on stage. <laughs> yes. Gooner Palooza. More, so, uh, more, uh, more details about that we'll hopefully have soon because we've got a meeting about it this evening to kind of get some. some hope I didn't spoil going. anything. I hope you weren't like saving a big re- reveal or anything. <laughs> no, I've already told people I'm going to Chicago. I just, yeah, it's just, uh, we haven't told who else is going to Chicago yet. So I don't know if they've announced that yet. And I don't want to take their, steal their thunder. It's their thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Richard Keith. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Gary Neville. Yeah, I'll, I'll resume my press box. <laughs> I'm going to be Gary Neville to go there. I, I think I'm probably going to have to bring the unicorn with me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pablo, uh, always a pleasure. I hope you feel better soon. I know you've been struggling oh, through mate, the so last I, hour I, and I a bit. I feel so bad. I'm sorry, all the panel and everything. Because <laughs> I'm struggling to, find to you, talk. Mate. And like, I have to keep muting myself and not cough. But no, nah, it's been absolutely amazing like being on here with you guys. Uma, Mike and Unicorn has been like literally just... So amazing. You can catch Pablo on his channel, the uh, Gooner Cough TV. <laughs> He's muted himself, to be fair. We didn't hear any of it. We could just see him struggling. I'm literally dying here, people. And you're laughing at me. This show is horrendous. <laughs> You can find uh, Pablo on Twitter as well, Pablo Mira 11. That's not Pablo Marie, it's Pablo Mira 11. <laughs> it's just the other way around of the of the vowels in his surname. Um, as I said, you can find Mike on Twitter as well, at the Gooners Pods, of which they'll be doing plenty of shows across the week, one tomorrow at 10 o'clock. And you can find Umar on Twitter, at stupid underscore Umar C10. Uh, thank you so much. For ge- it just bugs me. I hate I genuinely hate the fact there's an... I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's just who does that? <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. bad enough that Bailey puts one at the end of his t- uh, his handle. You've done the extra level and gone even worse and put it at the start. Unreal. Um, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate uh, tuning in. Uh, you'll be able to uh, tune in, of course, tomorrow morning at Uno Dos Tres. Quatro Cinco Seis. What what what, what 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 eight in Spanish? I don't even know. Ocho. <laughs> Was it Ocho? Ocho AM. It's definitely not that. That's not how you say 8 AM, is it? Pablo, I know it's more Portuguese, but what is it? What would 8 o'clock be? Do we know what that is in Spanish? Yeah, Ocho de Mañana. There you go. I'll have to learn that. I did. I was watching a little short of um, Mr. Beast talking about how all of his YouTube channels are also done in Spanish and French and Portuguese. I was thinking, I wonder if we can get a voice actor to do TGT in Spanish and just do a separate channel. I'll do it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do what, I'll do the Jewish one for you. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Uh, appreciate it. Do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. I'll be there tomorrow morning at Ocho AM, as David Moyes would say. Um, see you very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your Mook delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.